on 2GO and the Triple M Network. This is Australia by Night with Stephen Sanatiempo. Well, it's time to discuss some of the big issues facing the world at the moment with the one and only Alex Selios from thebigsmoke.com.au. Alex, no dating stories tonight, but one that I think is going to freak people out. Yes. Why are experts prescribing more social media for teens? You know, one of the issues we face is one around educating young people around how to use social media in a way that doesn't trigger anxiety or depression. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of research around how young people are influenced um, negatively by the use of social media. So whether that's Instagram and comparing themselves to others in terms of images or in terms of how we present ourselves online on Facebook, we, we've seen a lot of damage there. Um, but it, the interesting solution isn't necessarily to use less media, but actually use social media in a smarter way. So some uh, psychologists in, in America are actually having a new direction um, for anxious teens around posting more selfies on Instagram and Snapchat and using Facebook. And they're saying that the answer isn't to boycott the platforms, but rather pushing young people towards it in a safe way. So they're actually doing things like creating Facebook groups where the, the patients and the, the teenagers um, are, are made to engage with each other, comment on each other's posts, post more about their day. And over time, hoping that the teenagers will use digital communication uh, in a way that benefits them, them and maintains their connection to their peers um, without it being damaging. So this is how teenagers are communicating and missing out on those conversations or invitations or knowing what's going on in their community groups doesn't add any value to an already anxious team. So it's about, I guess, taking the vapidness out of social media and putting a bit more substance back into it. And, yeah, and it's also a form of cognitive behavioural therapy where they're, they're using the platforms, but they're not being pushed into a, a position where they're using it negatively or there's no control around around it. Yeah. So it's part of a program um, where they're treating teens for anxiety and depression by addressing social media and other types of digital communication. Why are we turning the lights off at 7 o'clock? Is it el electricity bills? No. Um, so a friend of mine recently, I called her at about 8pm and she banged her foot as we were talking on the phone and I said, what happened? She said, well, we don't turn the lights on at night. And I said, well, why would that be? I thought it must have been because she's stingy about her, her electricity bill. Yeah. But it turns out she's one of many people who are, who are understanding the psychological power of light um, and the way we experience light. Uh, I'm talking the difference between natural light and artificial light, which more and more research is coming out that shows the light, that light actually affects how we think and behave. Mm. So some people are saying that, you know, they don't want to um, impact their circadian rhythms by turning on uh, artificial light at night. We know the impact of the lights, the blue lights on our devices and how that impacts sleep. And they're actually saying to use candles to create warm lights at night that create cosy and relaxing atmospheres. So I'm sure that the energy bill side of it doesn't hurt, but the actual... The reason behind it is to change the way we feel um, and, and it influences our well-being at night. I'm sure the fire brigade's uh, feeling wonderful about all these yeah. candles being lit up. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the flip side. Um, are we going bald because we're working too hard? I think that one of the greatest mistakes we make is this whole idea around the four-hour work week, work less, you know, don't, don't do full-time work the gig economy, all of that. Um, and research like this supports that, that ethos. 
with um, a, a study coming out that found that people who work between 40 to 52 hours plus a week are twice as likely to go bald. Um, and the, the results came from a study of over 13,000 men in South Korea where it's commonplace to work more than 40 hours each week. Um, so, so this is interesting because it looks into how stress impacts our immune system, which then attacks hair follicles. I don't think, though, the answer is to work less because myself and, and many others don't don't have that luxury or or, um, or desire mm. maybe but but it does show the the need to manage their stress better or our stress better um, and to manage our time in a smarter way where we're not just working in such a silo that we're completely obsessed and stressed out and therefore losing our hair yeah okay that's uh, that's fascinating um, research uh, you mentioned the gig economy um is it a fair place to work? You know, a lot of criticism has come around uh, around gig workers suffering from low pay, wage theft, dangerous working conditions and discrimination. And because they don't have the same uh, frameworks that many corporate organisations have, um, there are a lot of issues around around the rights of, of gig economy workers. Um, and roughly around one in 10 workers um, in, in the UK, for example, and in the US, you know, they're earning a, a major living from the gig economy. Now, the problem is the jobs aren't created equally and they're not necessarily of good quality. So a re report recently came out to look into if we want to continue the gig economy and it's, a, and it's a model that can work, we need to be thinking more around transparency around the nature of gig work itself. So therefore, having a better understanding around the criteria around fair work practices within the gig economy and more accountability within the sector so understanding better how other people being paid how other people are being paid how um, their work impacts on the overall um, company and also existing regulation that many workers don't know about and also transparency around um, individual rights for gig workers so so that's one of the issues that they're facing and and there's this real tension between government and corporates uh, when it comes to the gig economy around who really has the responsibility to create a more democratic uh, platform. Okay. So let's say we get all that worked out. What does science say about how we spend our money? So this is a study that was done w w where a researcher looked into lottery winners and also people who had earned millions through maybe um, family members who passed away or maybe just inherited wealth in, in other ways. And psychological studies have shown that how we spend our money improves overall happiness. But the interesting thing is many people who win the lotto um, aren't actually at all any happier after they've spent the money. And there was a particular story where a man had won $10 million playing the lottery and he uh, bought cars and expensive homes and threw big parties and showered his friends with gifts and invested in different things. And the businesses flopped. And, you know, the whole reckless behavior took control of his life and he ended up in a really dark place and, and committed suicide. And we've also seen people who have inherited a lot of money follow similar dark paths. Um, so, so the research really looked into if money doesn't guarantee happiness, is it more around why we spend our money? And, you know, I'm not saying that money isn't a great thing. Money is a great tool and very worthwhile pursuing. But it's all about why we spend our money. So the research found that you're more likely to feel better about your 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 spending habits if you're buying things that are giving you value. So maybe that for some people is experiences, but for other people it could be 
a nice car. Yeah, so, nice so people are, in other words, people are chasing happiness through spending and that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. I think a really good example is I'm somebody who likes nice things. Mm. So I will feel happier if I go on a holiday and I probably spend a bit more than someone else on accommodation that I enjoy. But that would actually help me enjoy the experience more than if I spent less money on accommodation but more money on shopping because shopping doesn't add value to me. Yeah, okay. Whereas other people might want to stay in a hostel but they want to spend their money on skydiving and all these different experiences that, that they enjoy. So it's less around judging people on what they spend the money on but why they spend it. Yeah, okay, that's fascinating. Alex, it's always great to talk to you. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks so much. Alex Selios from thebigsmoke.com.au back with us next week on Australia by Night.